You may be seated this morning. I hope you're here for that reason, to worship Jesus. One day, we will all stand before our risen Savior, Jesus. Are you looking forward to that day? Amen. We're, uh, some of us may fall before Jesus, right, Drew? Turn with me to Deuteronomy. So I want you to turn to Deuteronomy. We're going to get there in a moment, but don't hold your spot there. And uh, I, I do want to say, man, I, I was kind of blown away and encouraged and excited for all of you who, uh, maybe we had little faith, but we did not have uh, nearly enough of those foundation books out there last year that's you guys went out there and bought them all up. I guess you were still in the shopping spirit last week, but uh, bought all the books we had, and then uh, we ordered an additional 100 more books. But we did find out uh, last week, as we tried to order all the extra books, uh, that uh, they are the adult books are on back order. And uh, so you may not even have noticed when you picked up your book today that you got a teenage book, all right? So... Uh, if you didn't notice, just pretend like you still don't know, okay? Uh, and really, the, the only major difference is that there's lines for you to write. So maybe it was intended for you to be a neater person this year. I don't know. Uh, but w- I, I'm encouraged that that, uh, that many of you have taken this step of faith uh, to begin reading your Bible. And here's what I, I guess I'm not going to ask the question because maybe I'm afraid of the answer. Um, I think in a lot of churches, there's a lot of us, a lot of you that go to church every week, and you have to remember where you put your Bible last Sunday, or maybe you have a special place you put it every Sunday so you know right where it is next Sunday, and I'm afraid that many Christians, and maybe the reason that churches don't really have the power of God like we think they should, is because not many of us are reading our Bible. And so it's encouraging that many of you have grabbed this book and you're going to try it. So let me encourage you. There's going to be some days that you forget. There's going to be some days you get busy and you forget and the book is just left there and you didn't get your Bible out. Uh, That's okay. Do it again the next day, all right? Start over. So there's going to be a lot of restarts. Are are you tracking with me? Don't get so down that you messed a day and then it turns into two days and now you've missed a week. Uh, And that's okay. Let's start again, right? Let's do this together. Uh, I'm encouraged that a lot of you grab the kids' book, and so many of you parents are kind of taking this challenge to uh, go through this foundations through uh, with your family. It's a great, if you didn't grab one, grab one of the kids' ones. If you have young kids, a great opportunity really just to use it as a family devotion uh, at night before you, you put your kids to bed, read through a, a couple verses of Scripture, memorize. How many of you are really bad at memorizing Scripture? How many of you think it's just not in you, really? I mean, it's just going to be hard, right? It's just going to be hard. I I mean, I think that, but the truth is, I remember what I want to remember. It got really quiet. (laughs) Like, I can remember I was when Danny Main and the Miracles won the national championship. Right? It was a long time ago. So... Don't use the excuse, well, it's just difficult to memorize. Because you remember what you want, right? I had, I had moved away, you know, for six years, came back. They gave me my driver's license. I still remember the number. I was impressed with myself. <laughs> How many of you are impressed with me? <laughs> Surprised, maybe more than impressed. I can remember what I want, so guess what? 
you put your heart into it, you can memorize scripture. You can do it. And, and so I'm pointing the finger at myself. If I will put work into it, I can memorize scripture as well. We're going to start this series called The Blessed Life. And I want you to, to understand as we go through this series the next few weeks, and, and, and my, my mind just automatically, even when, when I was in Kansas for the last six years, my mind automatically in January goes to thinking about uh, stewardship. And I think it's because for many years, my dad would always in January preach on stewardship. And I, so I guess maybe there was just this uh, ingrained in me in January, we're going to start new things, and we're going to maybe going to start to really plan out what we're going to do with our finances. And so this idea of a blessed life, the reason that I, I want you to, to come the next few weeks and be a part of this is because I, I truly believe that if you'll follow the principles that we're going to walk through the next few weeks, that God will bless your life. It's not about blessing the church. It's not about the finances of the church. That's not what it's about. It's about you and your life and how God wants to bless your life and what God wants to do in your life. And so we're going to talk about blessed life. And today, more specifically, we're going to talk about generosity. So in your outline, I hope you got your bulletin this morning, uh, and the outline is there for us. And, and the first scripture there is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. And so we're going to talk for a moment in these few verses that are first on your bulletin about maybe how sometimes we um, have misinterpreted or maybe spoke about Scripture out of context. Okay, and, and you'll understand as we go through this, right? So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's unfortunate in our culture today, I think this is one of the most um, quoted verses of Scripture. Judge not, lest you be not judged, right? You can't judge me, I'm my, my own judge, right? So kind of twisting that. We, we're not going to talk about that today. But verse 2 says, with the judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. All right, so there's a parallel passage, and it's, it's here in your bulletin for you in, in Luke chapter 6. Look at verse number 37. This may sound familiar. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at the last sentence. So there's two sentences in verse 38. I want you to look at the second sentence, all right? The second or the last sentence of verse, Luke 6, verse 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so again, we see two verses that are pretty similar to the verses in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. The measure you use will be measured on you. Okay, but look at verse 38, the first sentence of verse 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We put it into your bosom. Now, here's where uh, many times this verse is misinterpreted. Okay, is anywhere in these four verses that we've just read, do you see money spoken of in these four verses? Yes or no? No, it's not. Okay, but many times this verse 37, the first, or verse 38, excuse me, of Luke 6, verse 38, the first part, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down. How many of you have heard that in context of giving? Okay, now... Does giving in our mind somewhat imply money? It does, doesn't it? Can you give without money and being involved? 
Yes. What could you possibly give someone? Look, at, look in here where it says in uh, verse 37, Luke 6. This is just one example. Forgive and what? You'll be forgiven. Can I give forgiveness to someone? Yes. Can I give mercy to someone? Can I give grace to someone? Okay, and all that can be done apart from money being involved, correct? So what is it saying here? If I, whatever I give, now can money be applied into this? Yes, because it falls into the principle of sowing and reaping, right? Whatever you sow, you shall reap, right? So if I sow forgiveness, what is Scripture teaching me? I'm going to reap forgiveness. If I give grace, what am I going to receive? Grace. If I give judgment, what are you going to get back? Judgment. Have you seen this play out in, in, in real life? And, and what's, you know, I'm going to try to share a story this morning that, that really illustrates this, this principle. Whatever I'm going to give will be given back to me. Okay? Now, if, and many of you were, will remember this story. So about 15 years ago, in the gym, you guys remember when we used to meet, how many of you were here when we used to meet in the gym and we got to pick up the green chairs every stinking Sunday <laughs> and put them back? My jo- one of my job responsibilities used to be to, to make sure the chairs got put down every Saturday morning. How many of you were on those rotating crews? You guys remember that? And you all would never show up and I got stuck moving on the chairs. <laughs> Then, then that responsibility got shifted to Daryl McDonald, and I've been, never been so happy in my life. But over in the gym, it was an evening service, and my, my dad got up. Pastor Haley got up, and, he's, he, and some of you will remember this. He got up, and he resigned the church. How many of you were that night when he did that? And, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but he felt like he wasn't worthy of pastoring this church anymore. And I'm sharing this because I knew he wasn't going to be here today, all right? So you don't have to tell him. But he, he didn't fill w- with what was going on in his life. And if you were there, you understand. And there's no reason to, to go through all that again. But I remember very distinctly when, he, when the words came out of his mouth. Because nobody really knew this was coming. And somebody yelled out of the audience, we will not accept it. No. And then it was like this unanimous of the church saying, we are not accepting this resignation. You guys remember that? How many of you were there again? Raise your hand. And forever that was engraved in my heart. What, what just happened? For the next hour or so, it seemed like for, for eternity, people just one after another came up to my dad and my mom. And just grace, grace, grace. And from that moment on, as I've kind of processed through it, what, what just took place today in this church? This verse comes to my mind. If you give grace, what will you return? Grace. If you give judgment, what will you get in return? Judgment. And what had happened that night was I watched as my dad had been a man of grace. And it had been there for many of you when your time of need or hurt. And what did he do? Extended grace. What, what came back to him? Good measure. 
pressed down, shaken together, running over. He received more grace in that evening than he could ever give in a lifetime. The principle is pretty simple. When I'm generous, people will be generous back. When I'm generous to God, God will be generous back. So I don't know about you, but that makes me want to be generous. And the reality is, has God already given you more grace than you could ever repay? Yeah. Has, has God already forgiven you for, for more than you could ever forgive anyone else? Yes. So we should want to extend grace and forgiveness and mercy and love, generosity. One more verse there on your, out, on your outline on the bulletin there before we get to the actual outline. We're just kind of laying some gr- groundwork and some foundation here. Matthew 6, verse 21, a very familiar verse. And Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Interesting enough today, I, I got a text um, from my brother. Well, I've got several texts since then. I won't take time to read them. This is a text I got from my brother, and it was actually, I guess, on his time hop from two years ago. Why he sent it to me today, I don't know. If you want to take the pulse of your faith, there are many places to look. Let me read it again. If you want to take the pulse of your faith, there are many places to look, beginning with your checkbook. What did we just read, Matthew 6, 21? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you want to take a pulse of your faith, there are many places to look, beginning with your checkbook by David Jeremiah. We want to talk about generosity. And it's, it's, uh, it goes beyond what this word you use, checkbook. Does anybody use a check anymore? Some of you don't even know what a check is, right? <laughs> So your bank statement, you know, that thing that comes on your phone, right? And then it's always going down. If we were to look at our bank statement, what Jesus is saying, your bank statement's going to reveal your heart. So where your money is going is what you're worshiping. All right, so let's just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we talk about uh, generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty five. I'll just share this verse with you before we get into our outline. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Proverbs eleven twenty five. All right, let's get into the outline. It says a really simple question, a really statement here. How do you ha- how to have a heart of generosity? So if, if we're trying to be generous, if that's the goal, then how can we do that? Let's read in Deuteronomy. We're going to read beginning in verse number 7. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. Deuteronomy 15, 7. Let you get a second to turn there. All right, beginning in verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, with any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut up your hand from your brother. 
But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be wicked, wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. Your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. You crouch the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, and your heart, you should not be grieved when you give to him. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works, and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land, therefore I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, and to your needy in your land. If your brother, a Hebrew man, or a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your winepress, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with. You shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. So let's kind of walk through this, these few verses here. Right? So the first one there on your outline is that we need to deal with a greedy heart. All right, to deal with a greedy heart. How many of you would say, let's just be honest, I'm a greedy person? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you say, you're not a greedy person? How many of you say you've had to overcome being a greedy person? All right. Do you think by nature... We're all greedy. Okay, so maybe this, last night I changed this word, greedy. Okay, originally I had the word selfish. And as I'm sitting here kind of thinking through this, and the only reason I changed greedy from selfish is because it had a G, all right, and it just fit better. But does it seem like, does it seem like greedy sounds a lot lot worse than selfish? Because I... That just kind of came into my, my mind right now. How many of you think you're, you can be a selfish person? Okay, so there's a lot more of you raise your hand on selfish than greedy. And I would, I would contest that they're the same. If you're selfish, it's because you're what? You said it, not me. Right? But it does, for whatever reason, it sounds worse, doesn't it? Like you're the Grinch or something. But by nature, aren't we greedy people? It, it was funny, you know, uh, this past week, my, my dad had called me and asked if, if we could uh, watch Piper, they were going to get away, and I'm like, sure. But he fails to mention what comes with Piper. <laughs> and that is this little dog. Like five minutes before he's bringing her stuff over, he's like, oh, I forgot to mention. You didn't forget. You didn't forget. And he asked, can you keep the dog too? No, keep the dog home, right? It's funny to watch, and this wasn't really planned out, but Joy says to me yesterday, man, dogs are just like kids. I said, what do you mean? Well, they're eating each other's food. (laughs) Did you you ever have to teach your kid to go take the toy from someone else? 
just kind of naturally happened, didn't it? And that inner, well, you guys like selfish better than greed, that inner greediness is still in there, isn't it? It, it is for me. It's, it's kind of weird this last, I don't know, six weeks or so during my, my prayer time. This is the word that keeps coming into, into my mind. I don't know about in your time of prayer, but I, I've over the, the years kind of gone through the simple acts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And, and when I get to confession, the last six weeks, it's always been this thought. God, I'm a greedy person. And so maybe, you don't, maybe you're not struggling with that. But I think on some level, we, we all do, don't we? You ever said, I wish I had a raise... And it's amazing that a month after getting the raise, what are you saying? I wish I had enough raise. Did I even get a raise? Like, where did it go? Can you guys identify with that? Look at verse 7 through 8. If there's any among you a poor man and brethren with the need of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your hearts. Okay, so maybe... Greedy, selfish, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Then verse 9, beware lest there be a wicked, could we interject another word there? Greedy? Or maybe we'll soften it for you, selfish. Be, beware lest there be greed, selfishness, a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And you cry out to the Lord against you, and becomes, it becomes sin among you. So it's that greed, selfishness in my heart. If you read real quickly, you may not get what it's saying, or you may not even understand what it says. In verse 9, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of the release. Okay, my guess is a lot of us don't know what that even means. Okay, so it would be kind of another term for that would be the Sabbath year. So every seven years in this culture, the custom, the rule, the law, was that all debts would be forgiven after seven years. Every seven years, all debt's forgiven. How many of you would like to go to that culture? Right? So what it's saying here in this verse is, don't calculate in your mind, we're six months from the seventh year, I'm not loaning anybody anything. You see what he's saying? So he's calculated in his mind, well, this is a two-year loan, and we're just throwing numbers in here. There's six months until the seventh year is up. I'm not getting my payment back. Saying, don't be greedy. The next one on your outline there. So we're going to deal with a greedy heart. The second one is deal with a grieving heart. Verse 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give it to him. Because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works, and in all to which you put your hand. What, what does it mean? So listen to the statement. I think it's on your outline there under number two. 
Selfishness attacks us before we give, or greed attacks before we give. Uh, greediness, excuse me, before we give. And grief attacks us after we give. You guys ever experienced that? Like, you felt like God was telling you to do something and give a big gift, and it was generous, and it seems like as soon as you give that big gift and you've been generous, that something breaks down and you kind of needed that money. Anybody ever dealt with that before? And then it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. You ever heard of the word buyer's remorse? Okay, so they've done a lot of studies on this buyer's remorse, you know, and so now... Uh, they have a lot of reasons or, or ways to kind of get you through that process, right? In other words, that you won't bring back what you've just bought within the next 24 hours. Okay, Dave Ramsey talks about this in, in his financial peace class. He talks about buyer's remorse. And at one point, uh, there was a company that was selling these really high-end homes, like very expensive vacation homes. And there was the day after a very high return rate. Like people would come back the next day and say, I, I want out of the contract. So they began to teach as they sold. A part of the selling process was to educate. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to feel this heaviness. Like, what have I done? That's normal. Everyone feels that. It's going to be a great purchase. Just know tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to feel guilty. And it's okay. It's pretty smart, right? You ever, but what is Scripture telling us here when we were generous? Once, once you give it to God, what should you probably do about it? Forget about it. Right? Let it go. Don't try to take it back. Why? Look at verse 10. Because for this thing the Lord our God will bless you in all your works and in all what you put your hand. When we're generous, God will bless us. This goes beyond money, right? When I'm generous with grace and mercy and forgiveness and love my neighbor as myself, God's going to bless me. 1 Timothy 6, 17, I'm just going to read this verse for you real quick. Here's where I think sometimes this, so this is me educating you about the big purchase, okay? I think sometimes why we grieve after being generous. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you catch? L listen again. Don't be proud of your riches or trust in your riches. But trust in who? God. I think sometimes when, when what keeps us from being generous and then maybe at this process of, oh, what have I done? It's because we, it's amazing how quickly we can shift our, our trust, can't we? Are you with me? Isn't it amazing how quickly we can shift our trust from God to ourselves? In our money, our possessions, trusting God. Deal with the greedy heart, deal with the grieving heart, 
Number three is we want to develop a generous heart. This is something we've got to work at. Develop a generous heart. Verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, generously, from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from the Lord your God has blessed you with. You shall give to him. I want you to, to write this down in your bulletin, all right? Write this scripture reference down. We don't have time to take there and read it. First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29, verses 11 through 17. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 17. But let's look at verse 14 again here. And this is going to, as you read later on today or this week, First Chronicles 29, this is what it's going to reference you to in, ver, in verse 14. You shall supply him generously or liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. So we're trying to develop a heart of generosity. We're trying to develop how we can give to others. And here's the key, I think. The last sentence in verse 14. So what has been said? You need to give generously. Okay, I'm paraphrasing verse 14. But what are we to give from? Look what it says, the last sentence. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with. What is that, what is that saying? Everything I have is from who? God. So the command here is to be generous with everything you have. Why? Because God gave it to you anyways. So there's this understanding and that, I, that I think will help all of us as we strive not to be greedy, as we strive to develop a heart of generosity, is to realize that everything I have, God owns it. So I'm not an owner of anything. The truth is, you don't own anything. You are stewarding or you are managing what God has blessed you with. So if God has asked you to give it, guess what? Give it. It's his anyways. So let's think back to the verse we just read in Timothy. Let's not trust in riches and what we've gathered, but trust in who? God. God's anyways. Read 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 17. I love that passage of scripture. It's after they've given the offering and David is praying to the Lord and just over and over seems to have this idea, this, the, the main thought of that passage is, God, everything we've given to build your temple was what you already gave us. You were just giving it back. Develop a heart, a generous heart. And I think the key to that is Realize it's not yours anyways. Isn't it so much easier to spend someone else's money? My kids spend my money way quicker than they spend their money. Can I get an amen? It's not your money. It's dad's money. If he asks you to give it, what should you do? Give it. Be generous. Number four, develop a grateful heart. Deal with a greedy heart, deal with a grieving heart, develop a generous heart, and number four, develop a grateful heart. Look at verse 15. 
you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Wow. Do you catch what he's saying? So he's just said, everything you have, God gave you anyways. Remember, you were a what? A slave. Redeemed by God. Does that sound like you? Were you a slave? Have you been redeemed by God? I hope so. The scripture is very clear. The scripture says we've all sinned. and We fall short of God's glory. And the scripture then says the punishment for my sin, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. I am a slave to sin. If I die in my sin, I will spend eternity in a place called hell, pain for my sins. I was a slave. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Redeemed. I was a slave to sin, and there, is, there was no way for me to make the payment. I can't be good enough. I can't go to church enough. I can't give enough in the offering. There's nothing I can do to make the payment for my sin. But Jesus hung on a cross, was buried to make that payment. Remember, I was a slave, but Jesus redeemed me. Should I be grateful for that? Should you be grateful for that? Can we out, let's really think about this. For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. For God so loved the world, he gave. What did he give? Jesus. So if God gives you nothing for the rest of your life, can you outgive God? No. You see, a proper perspective of who we are in the context of this scripture, you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord God redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. In my context, for me today, I was a slave to sin, but God redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb. Gratefulness. If I truly have a grateful heart for what God has blessed me with, I'm going to be generous. I can't give more grace than God has given. I can't give more love than God has given. I can't give more, you fill in the blank, than what God has already given me. So the question that we kind of have to wrestle with here is, well, how's my heart? I mean, am I greedy? Do I need to develop a generous heart? Do I need to develop a grateful heart? Is God asking me to give something? I'm kind of holding it back. Another question maybe we need to wrestle with this morning is, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. 
the greatest gift ever given was when God sent his son to take your place on a cross. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, maybe God has revealed to you, I've never given my life to Jesus. Why not do it today? It's the greatest gift you could ever receive. Surrender your life to Jesus. And it's very simple. The Bible says that if you'll confess and believe. So I'm confessing that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So you're confessing Jesus is the way to God. And I need Jesus. Believing that Jesus is the only way. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you've never done that, do it today. My assumption, though, this morning is that the majority of us have given our life to Christ. So what we need to wrestle with is, are we being as generous with others as God is with us? And what do we need to fix? Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? And this morning, as, as I pray, God has challenged you in two of these areas. Never given my life to Christ. Or maybe I'm not as generous as God wants me to be. I would ask real quickly this morning as our eyes are closed and we're uh, making preparation for our last song of worship. Would anyone say this morning, John, God has revealed to me today that I've never given my life to him. I've never surrendered my life to him. And John, I, I want you to pray for me. I, the truth is, John, I don't really even understand what you said. I, I just, I know I haven't done that. And I want to pray for you this morning. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up for a moment. Everyone's eyes are closed. And, and just leave your hand up for a moment. Put it up high. I'm looking around. And I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that this morning, just put your hand up. Just put your hand up right where you're at this morning. Anybody? John, I've never given my life to Jesus. Who would say this morning, no, John, God's kind of challenged me. There's areas in my life that I know I need to be more generous. Maybe it's in forgiving someone. Maybe it's extending grace or mercy. Or maybe it's just not to judge. And you, and you would just like to acknowledge, God has spoken to me about this in this area of my life this morning. If that's you this morning, would you put your hand up? Just put your hand up. A lot of us this morning, just up, down, thank you. That one this morning that has acknowledged, I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to challenge you right now. Right where you're seated, you could give your life to Jesus. Right where you're at, right now. It's you simply saying, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus is the only way that I can get to you. I surrender my life to Jesus. Right where you're at, right now. 
in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to uh, sing a last song of worship this morning. A very familiar song, I Surrender All. And this morning I want to challenge you, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you, you did it right there this morning in your seat, in a moment we're going to stand and I'm going to ask you to come forward. There's going to be people here standing at the front that are going to be facing you. And if you would like to to give your life to Christ or you'd like to tell someone that you've done that today, what I want you to do in a moment when we stand is I want you to come forward and I want you just to shake their hand and say, will you tell me how to give my life to Jesus? For the rest of us this morning in a moment, I'm going to challenge you the same. If you're wrestling with this area in your life that you need to be more generous, come forward and pray about it. If you'd like to pray with someone, just come shake their hand and ask them to pray with you. If you'd like to pray by yourself, then just come forward and pray. But deal with what God is asking you to deal with. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. Lord, I know in my own life, my own heart, Lord, I, I, I deal with greed, selfishness, pride. God, I want to surrender that to you. Lord, I want to be as generous with others in all areas as you are with me. May that be our prayer. Would you stand with me this morning just in the spirit of worship? We're going to sing this wonderful worship this morning. If God's spoken to you, I would encourage you, seek him today as we sing.